A train crash in Ohio creates one of the most dangerous chemical disasters in American history, leading to the death of fish, bird, and livestock everywhere. But don't worry, Pete Buttigieg is on the case. He's in fact one of those smart people we're supposed to entrust with our lives. All will be discussed and more here at the Politically Tolerant. I'm Cooper Brown. I'm Zachary Groper. Um, yeah, first, we just really want to say our thoughts and prayers for the people of Ohio and Pennsylvania who suffered drastically after this environmental disaster. But take it over for you to Cooper. Talk about yeah. what are these implications? Yeah, so it's this is something that doesn't um, it occurs fairly frequently, like, um, you know, derailed trains and and semis tipping over carrying, a, you know, dangerous chemicals and contaminant waste. This is something that happens pretty regularly, um, you know, thousands of times a year, actually. But this one is a little bit different. This one's a little scarier because um, we now see we've seen the pictures of the giant plumes of smoke that they've caused by burning, um, you know, setting fire to these train carts, which is for you know reasons we'll discuss. And then we, we now getting reports of like, you know, contaminated uh, areas and um, videos and pictures of people videoing birds and fishes and livestock that have, that have died. And um, it's kind of a scary thing to be, to be experiencing. So if you're in that area, you know, recommend just to get out and, you know, do whatever you can. Um, but if those who are unaware, on February 3rd, um, in, a, in a city called East Palestine, um, that's how they pronounce it, apparently. So <laughs> uh, a, a train cart carrying, uh, I believe it was like 50 or so uh, train carts uh, derailed and spilled various amounts of chemicals um, all across uh, the area. And the state had to... Um, evacuate people within a mile radius and um the the epa then suggested brilliantly uh that you know instead of us not doing anything and just and letting this thing explode on its own let's let it set it on fire and explode it ourselves um which i can't me personally that doesn't that doesn't pass the uh the uh the logical test of of why they would act like that but I don't know. What do you, how are you feeling about this event? No, it's just horrible. I mean, I see it as a neglect on both the, you know, people North, North Southern, which is the railroad company commit mm -hmm. fault in the situation is also in government, at least, you know, accepting that this issue and they're blaming, I know Pete Buttigieg, you know, now the department of transportation, ironically, the guy never even set foot in a, on a, on a train car, but, uh, his Department of Transportation, he blamed Trump for this issue, even though his handling of the issue, it took him 10 days to actually even respond to the crisis itself. So there's negligence on this side. I mean, it's kind of horrific, you know, considering that six years prior with the Flint water crisis that took place that we haven't really learned from anything. And it's kind of similar to the issue now, but that was directly involved with the government. Mm -hmm. in Flint, Michigan was that there was a water supply issue, but the thing was, was that there was no problem before. But the government in place, the state government in that situation, that the, who had tasks, who was assigned tasks to the Department of Treasury to handle the water over there, assigned two people who had no experience with water and find the cheapest alternative measure to water. So instead of going through the, the, the water plants and, the, you know, the, the water plants, the federal water plants, 
in Michigan, they went to the river. And what happened with that is that they used old pipes and that got into the drains. What happened there is that that created issues with health hazards mm-hmm. later. It contributed a lot of diseases in people and horrific situations. And they declared a state of emergency, like what happened recently in East Palestine. But <laughs> but that's it's the same incidence as we haven't learned from that. And you know, the problem is, is we're asking like no one's has died yet. Mm-hmm. But if we look at the statistics of what happened in Flint, about 6,000, 12,000 people got exposed to lead. Now, you might think, okay, well, this can be taken care of maybe in the short term. But what happens in the future is that it leads to stuff like Alzheimer's and apparently a decrease in IQ. So we have to take this more seriously. And I think the problem is, is that governments in Washington don't seem like to take it seriously. Even I don't even think they even declared a state, a federal state of emergency in East Palestine. But they did in Flint, Michigan with the Barack Obama administration. So, Well, I know that the governor of Ohio has declared a state of emergency with them. Um, but it is it is annoying the fact that, I mean, this is now getting covered a little bit, but not by mainstream news outlets at all. Um, out of several major news, in, uh, news um, outlets like uh, ABC, CBS, and NBC, They've only aired, I think, a total combined number of like 30 minutes dedicated to this instance Um, compared to like now kind of this week, it's kind of become prominent mainstream news. But again, this happened in early February and it took getting these videos of of them burning these trail carts, seeing these toxic fumes, you know, just like collect out of the sky, being able to see them from space. If you've seen those pictures, those are really crazy. And then the reports of like people's animals and livestock dying. Now, again, we don't know the health implications for an instance like this. We might never know in the near future, but it's again, it's something that's, you know, might take 10 or more years to manifest that we see like, oh, people of this area now have serious health problems. And the obnoxious, ridiculous thing is that, again, it took, I don't think the President Biden has even addressed it even the slightest, right? But generally, historically, whenever an instance like this comes, you know, the president then goes to the state, he gives, you know, a speech and whatever, and they like try and be unifying and bring things together, say, we're going to like rebuild these things. Um, No word whatsoever. Yeah, see, that's what I mean, that probably involves more of the division between the parties that, well, you know, (laughs) instead of, you know, actually doing the right thing in the incidents, he doesn't want to look bad. Probably to the for the upcoming election. I'm I'm not gonna lie, but he doesn't want to look bad. Plenty of looking bad. Don't worry about that. But he wants to put. Yeah, I know that's true. He looks bad in other instances. But I honestly think the problem is he doesn't want to. He wants to deflect from that and focus on the balloons and Chinese balloons instead of focusing on stuff that really matters here. And Mm -hmm. we see this neglect, even like we're talking about in Flint, even Barack Obama's administration. But since you're you're talking about the point with media not covering it. It could be because they don't want to make the Democratic administration look bad in the situation. I honestly think that's perhaps a cause for the reason why uh, they're not showing a lot of media. Right. Well, yeah, if, if if they didn't air it so much, you know, if no one was talking about it, then no questions would arise. Be like, OK, well, if it's if it's a safe place to be, which reports say that it is, you know, but 
a lot of there's a lot of anecdotal evidence kind of on the ground that would make you to believe that it's not a safe place to be. Right. Why isn't the vice president going down there? Why isn't um, uh, Joe Biden going down there for an event that is actually it is true. This is 100 percent the largest chemical you know, disaster effect that's ever occurred on U.S. soil. So for an instance, that's that big. Why is there just silence from the White House? Why did it take Pete Buttigieg many, many days to bring this up? And then even when he did bring it up, he totally deflects and said, this isn't this isn't my this isn't our problem. This was something of the previous administration, except this is currently your job, dude. Have you (laughs) do anything with your job now? First thing I want to talk about, yeah, it's been two years. Have you ever seen administration, first I want to ask, have you ever seen an administration that's been so incompetent enough to actually blaming on a different administration? Because maybe it's an easy target because it's Trump. That, that's the right. first, right? That That's what the, the demoralizing part of politics nowadays. Second aspect, I was wondering, wasn't uh, some of the par- uh, the problems w- within um, East Palestine was was a derailment of the trains, right? The trains fell off the rail, right? Was it, Well, that was also another cause. Uh, it was, there was a braking issue if I, if I know correctly. Right. Um, but, yeah. but go ahead. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's just incompetence of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was maybe just want to bring up another point, uh, before, and this maybe not a proven theory, but it's kind of a hypothesis. I, I was reading somewhere in a different site that a problem <clears throat> occurring because of, uh, what's going on within East Palestine was the fact that Norfolk Southern, which is, you know, the railroad company in there has been pressuring the federal government to do something for 10 years in this particular city. And they haven't really done anything. Now that gets me to think, why is that the problem? Right? So I, I did a little investigation in this matter and I looked into this website called open secrets and I asked everyone to look at it. Open secrets is really, uh, a website talking about lobbyist transactions within government. So it's kind of open transparency, which is pretty much that aspect of like people, lobbyists are pretty much people who want to influence legislation in the government. So within companies, they they do that. So I looked more into that. And apparently Northern Southern, who is the train company, only gave $1.5 million. Now we, we would say, oh, that's a pretty good amount of money. But apparently not for politicians who want to buy their second home in Nantucket. Now... (laughs) So, but if this is what I want to compare it to, Pfizer. Now, Pfizer is $14 million to, which is a, a, a staggering amount compared to that, to uh, the government. And they developed their vaccines in what, less than a year? So, and which was supposed to take an eight-year process. I know they declared a state emergency, which allowed, permitted them to do so. But still, mm-hmm. I was like, it's kind of weird. Which one's taken president? Something that directly influences people announcedly in East Palestine over something, you know, that doesn't cause the deaths of everyone with mm-hmm. uh, the COVID vaccine. Now, what are your thoughts on that, Cooper? I mean, this is, it's clearly, no one derailed the train cart, right? This was clearly an accident, but you do make kind of an interesting point um, with your your tinfoil hat there. <laughs> that because because you know unions are are big instance of of lobbying money to particularly democrats um and if you know the rail cart companies aren't um supplying that as much as maybe something else is 
then they fall lower and lower on the priorities list. And so then you get people neglecting things like the standards of their brakes and the rails and things like that, which lead to derailment issues like this. Um, another kind of instance that I kind of want to piggyback off is, um, is the EPA's kind of um, their, uh, their actions towards this, um, which again, I kind of alluded to this before that they um, shortly after the cars derailed their suggestion was to burn the, the, the chemicals, um, which is what gives kind of those, those pictures like of the big plumes of, of black smoke and stuff like that. Those are from that. Um, and the, the number of chemicals that um, have been released, that's the some media that has had a little bit of attention towards this, it's been coming out like drips, drip by drip and stuff like that. Um, very, very slowly. Um, reporters on the ground apparently were arrested um, because they were making, now granted they were probably making a bit of ruckus during like town hall meetings, you know, asking for like, you know, what's going on here. And they got arrested for that. So um, definitely they've been, they've been limiting information and stuff like this um, because a lot of the chemicals that are listed that we now know that were listed on the train, our train carts are very dangerous chemicals. They say, you know, it's relatively not dangerous, but um, you know, for people that are concerned with the, like um, oils and food and with like soy and milk, I mean, some of these things are going to be really scary. Like, uh, I don't know if I can pronounce all of these things, but vinyl chloride, uh, phosphagen chloride, hydrogen chloride. And then, you know, there's several others that, um, you know, I'm not even going to bother pronounce because I'm stupid. But uh, <laughs> but uh, interesting enough is that some of these chemicals, there's, you know, industrial uses for them. But when you burn them, right. like the EPA did, it changes the chemical makeup of some of these that turns them literally into the same compounds that we use to gas people in world war one. That's horrible. I mean, I, like, I know going off of what you're talking about, the similar to Flint, isn't the water contaminated in Ohio as well? I heard there, there is, there is reports saying that there are, there are pools of contaminated water that are circulating now, you know, it's not completely contaminated. They say it's like plumed versions but when you get pictures or videos of people that say like, listen, I was gone for a couple of days and my chickens are dead in the yard and they're going to be the first ones to die because they're eating from the soil and stuff like that. They're outside all the time. Um, I mean, that's kind of like, it makes you not trust anything that's going on. And when people are just constantly saying, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. Um, but then your eyes are telling you, you know, for, yeah, people, for people on the ground, I don't know, I, I haven't, you know. I'm not there. I've not witnessed anything like physically that's going on there. But when you get those anecdotal reports from those people, it, it's, you know, pretty scary for them. I mean, students, I mean, it's so it shows a neglect of this administration. They, they pretend to care about environmental regulations and, you know, taking it to the oil companies. Right. And what you see what's going on, stuff that actually directly impacts them, environmental changes, what happens with contamination of water like you said with a chicken yes. and animals getting infected and what you see with flint is i think things didn't get resolved i still think in flint it's still not resolved today it, it, it's just it actually frustrates me because mm -hmm. you see that you see them pretending to care about environmental causes even though it's happening right in michigan and nothing 
I mean, Ohio, and nothing's, no one's doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. Just frustrating because what I mean, people that no one cares about. I mean, that's, I mean, that's my impression of it. But it's hard to do anything in a situation like this because really, what can I mean? The damage has basically been done. Um, this, the annoying part is the the weakness of the administration, which is like, I'm not even going to touch this. You know, I'm not even going to mention any of this. Um, not even, not even, I don't think Biden has mentioned it once. I could be wrong at the time of this, but that has not happened at all. People just said like five words on it. Uh, Ilhan Omar has said more nice things about this than, than anyone else. She wants to um, free East Palestine. <laughs> right. Yeah. She Googled Palestine and that's what came up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I know it. it Talking about that, yeah, Biden's more concerned about trying to find UFOs than actually open his own citizen. Oh, my goodness. So uh, this moves on to a little bit of kind of something else that's been going on is this not one, not two, not three, not four, but five instances where the U.S. has shot something out of the sky just this week. Wow. Yeah. And so it's, you know, the first instance we kind of talked about a little bit was like that clearly was a there was a Chinese spy balloon going on and Joe Biden thought it was a smart idea to let it travel the entire uh, uh continental US right um from Alaska to Canada to uh uh like mainland all the way through to uh, South Carolina before he shot it down over the ocean but now he got so much bad publicity from that He's become like super trigger happy. And anytime anything gets gets seen in the sky, she's like, shoot it down immediately. Like, doesn't matter. Like the excuse of we have to shoot it down over water because we're afraid it's going to, it's going to fall and damage something. Um, totally terrible excuse now, because now we've shot things down in, um, in Alaska and in uh, Canada. Yeah. I mean, and it shows you just like, I mean, Going off of that, I mean, we see that take the U.S. Apparently, China is blaming. Uh, well, first, China, of course, the Chinese authorities in Beijing refuse that this actually happened. That there was a balloon in the United clearly, States. or there's like four that happened in Latin America, Canada, wherever. But they're also saying now that they saw some U.S. balloons in Nepal and in and in, in China. I mean, <laughs> going to the Chinese hemisphere, it's going to be an all-out balloon cold war. <laughs> it sure seems like it right now. Huh? This is this is how I know that the communist uh, Chinese party and country is just they're full of propaganda. Is because the fact that the United States is so much more sophisticated than sending a weather balloon with a camera over China. Like I know I know China has satellites that are constantly over the United States. We do too, and I bet our satellites are way better than theirs, right? We don't need weather balloons with DSLR cameras, right, um, taking pictures. So whenever they're just like, we have U.S. air, you know, balloons flying over us, and we're going to shoot those down, it's like, yeah, I think you're just deflecting because you're embarrassed that um, your your surveillance ability is weaker than we expected, which, I mean, is true at the same time as saying that China is constantly spying on the U.S. and they generate intel just as we do. But in terms of technology and intel, like China is not, um, not relevant in that department even remotely yet.
I mean, let's talk about it. Do you think China will actually go into war with U.S.? I mean, do you think that will actually take place? I mean, they'll they'll invade Taiwan. They'll do that. But you think U.S. will actually – I mean, I honestly – I don't think – I mean, we, we can have a conversation about that. But even mm -hmm. if China invades Taiwan, do you think U.S. will even take actions against that? Not this administration. They won't. They won't. They won't. What will most likely happen is, um, you know, China will provide a naval blockade over um, Taiwan, and they'll demand the use of this, the super microchips that they develop that they sell exclusively to the United States, um, because those will be then used in their uh, military and their uh, technology and stuff like that, so that they'll be able to, you know, eventually compete militarily technologically with the united states um because as it currently stands and this is something we've learned from the involvement in ukraine is that um the military capacity of our enemies is far less than what we originally thought they would be um, i don't know if you've seen those videos of uh china like defending its border against um india, oh, who was it it was india uh, it, was it was india, india that's right when they're using sticks to fight each other. They're using sticks to fight each other. And apparently that's like a, that was considered a legitimate skirmish. I mean, you know, yeah. Be, but yeah, it was so hilarious and embarrassing um, where it's just, it's just hilarious to watch. But through the, the Ukraine conflict, we've realized that the capabilities of Russia are far less threatening than we originally you know thought of. Um, they have bodies, yes, but in terms of technological weaponry, just the United States is far superior in that regard. Um, you know, so any any actual conflict would be really, really bad for China. And so I don't think they want, clearly they don't want that, but what they want is they need to make actions to make it so that in the future they can compete militarily with the United States. I think and that's okay. what we're teetering on. I, just going off of what you're talking about, because like you said, they don't want to start a war. Like I said, China hasn't been in a war since the Vietnam-Chinese War. So no war. I think that was since the 70s. And that, that was a war only lasted like a year or so. So China doesn't want to go in a war. They know they can't compete with the United States. And I think it's a projection of power that they say they want, like they'll put a blockade on Taiwan. I don't think, I don't even think they will invade Taiwan because I think it gets away what they actually want to do. And what they want to do is to dominate economically in the world and that's why that their uh their silk road initiative plan which is pretty much to and what they actually have done actually with afghanistan they started to have business with afghanistan after the taliban took over is that they, they go to these places in africa and the middle east and they start having economic cooperation because it there's lack of trust in the united states and what they want to do is counteract united states influence within those regions and that's what they're trying to influence their power in those places so that's why i see what's going on and us, them going in a war of us, they know they're going to probably even lose economically. Their GDP is going to lower extensively if they go in a war with the United States. So I think they want to project power with um, Taiwan, but they don't really want in Taiwan because Hong Kong, and I'll tell you why it was different than Hong Kong. You remember what happened in Hong Kong? It was like 2020, right? 2020, 2019. Uh, no, it was later than that. Somewhere around that time, right? But there was already Chinese police in Taiwan. I don't think they want to go to Taiwan because I think that will get rid of their power. And I know this is an in interesting theory because going on to talk about China and Taiwan, but I really don't think 
they want Taiwan as much as we think. I think they say they want it to just say that. So they, they look like, you know, they're big tough guys. But I, I honestly don't think they want to do that. I mean, there's clearly a military incentive into doing so. Um, I mean, economically, they are bleeding pretty bad. Um, that's why I don't have as much fear as many other people do of towards China is that their only their only existence is propped up because of the United States' involvement with them and the fact that we pretty much supply their the demand of all their production, all of you know, all of our things in China. If we stopped that or lowered that, then um it would do horror horrific drastic things in their economy. The thing too about China is that they're they're so male dominated at the moment that they have a couple million lives to expend in a war. Um, again, I don't think they will. I think war today is too dangerous for people that Xi Jinping would be obliterated out of the sky immediately. Like same thing with Putin. If if there was ever a war um, initiated, you know, with the United States, guarantee we're tracking these people all the time, and in 20 minutes, you have a missile down to them and they're gone. So no one wants wars like that. Wars are not helpful in any means. They're terrible. Um, you know, but we see Biden just, again, more – anything he does foreign policy related is just so weak and pathetic. Um, and and I think he's overcompensating with the balloons, um, being so trigger-happy, just shooting down anything that floats in the sky. The White House had to announce that it – they were positive it wasn't extraterrestrials, but they're they're not sure whether it was like weather balloons. And so when you're firing four hundred thousand dollar rockets or missiles, sorry, at um at weather balloons, it's just like, well, what are we doing this for? Are we just burning money for this for the sake. We don't even know. We haven't recovered any of the wreckage. We don't even know exactly what they are. You remember when politicians were competent? Like you remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Kennedys? Now now we're talking about the balloon weather crisis. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you see. You see the changes in politicians as a whole. I mean, they used to, I remember when they used to actually be competent. I mean, I wasn't alive, but <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, actually, maybe I was, who knows? But no, I wasn't. Um, but yeah, just going off of that, you know, we see, like you said, Biden's ineptability, foreign, domestic, doesn't really matter what it is. They can't even talk or enunciate. So we see that as a huge problem. But, you know, just talking about China. You know, like when you're talking about China's power is increasingly lowering. And, I, I, you know, I forgot to mention this before, but, you know, Chinese birth rate, because remember they, they used to have China used to have like, I mean, they still have a lot of people, but their birth rate is going a lot lower because they implement that one child policy. So now we see China's population lowering and lowering. So, I mean, that could also be a cause effect why China's rule is going to diminish maybe in the, the next 20 years. That is an interesting cultural phenomenon that's been occurring. This is a little bit off topic, but you know, the, the fact that I think it was released now that child, that China's no longer um, at a, um, at a, a birth rate that's, that's high enough to like sustain like a growing population, um, which is basically true with every Western culture as of, as of right now, where people are just having less and less kids. Um, except for like the very Christian, very religious Muslim places. Those are like the only places that have um, birth rates that mean that there'll be more people next, you know, the next generation than there is now. Um, and, and it's just these, how do I put this? Like politicians are just, I don't know if they're, 
they understand the cultural ramifications of kind of the policies that they implement where, um, and, and a lot of this is not necessarily their fault, right? This is, this is cultural institutions that, that really drive people away from the common practices that bring joy and happiness that, and, and thinking that they stem from other things. So I don't know if you follow Chelsea Handler at all recently, any of the videos that she's been posting recently. I haven't seen your videos, but uh, she's off. But yeah, come she's on. <laughs> the worst comedian I think I've ever seen. But she has a series of videos that have that have came out this week, um, talking about how how happy she is being this um, childless, I think fifty year old woman spinster with that takes bottles of Xanax and drinks barrels of wine, um, and and you know there's been a little been poking fun at her, you know, for the last week or so. Cause she does not look happy at all. She looks miserable. Um, and you can only suspect that part of that is because as a culture, we've moved away from fulfilling our biological urges to have, um, you know, children and, and form families and form positive communities. Instead, we just say, you know, my genealogical line can end here. Just whatever. You can be like Chelsea Handler with cats and, you know, I mean, I think that is a bigger cultural issue that we don't take precedence over tradition and culture more mm -hmm. on you know ourselves. I mean, you can see that's selfish in a way, but also it doesn't really fulfill the life because, I mean, for you know, it is true for a lot of women, mothering is an important aspect of life, and it, you know, creates a, I mean, for mothers and fathers both, but mm -hmm. the, you know, have someone you can, for the future, I mean, really benefit society and themselves as a whole, fills them. And you don't really have that per if you don't really have that purpose, you know, I mean, it could definitely cause suffering in many ways. But um, it's also, you know, another broader issue with the fall of Western civilization. You know, we go on this route, right? And we we say not, not having motherless, having motherless fathers and mothers, right, will be problematic. But also, not only that, the Christian world is diminishing slowly. I mean, diminishing slowly, but it's still diminishing. And apparently, Islam is going to take over Christianity and by 2050. I heard about that. So whether that's going to have any social or cultural impact at that point, we'll see. But like you were talking about, the Muslim communities, the religious communities are going to keep having kids and kids. Mm -hmm. and, and the Christian communities are not going to have any. And that well, well, you're in luck. The Jewish community is also having kids. So you're, you're not likely to die off anytime soon. So... <laughs> Yeah, but we're like 0.5 of the population now. <laughs> but I think you guys have like the highest birth rate. It's like four kids per family. It's something like that. Something real high. Yeah. Um, yeah. but we see we see instances where when um cult cultures and communities lose those religious, you know, their religion, um, that their birth rates decline alongside. This was something that happened in Brazil they at a time had like six children per family and now they're down to like 1.2 or something like that in the last um, several decades. So it's, it is a huge, huge problem, especially for Elon Musk. You think, you yeah, know, got to have as many kids as possible. Just need like eight. That's right. He's got a ton of kids, <laughs> but good for him. He's yep. got the money. Bro, he's like, he's like, he's like a basketball player. I don't have like 20 kids. <laughs> 20 different yeah. But I mean, it's true, man. It it really is, and I think a lot of it is a loss of religion. And because if you don't have a religion, if there's nothing building in there, mm -hmm. everyone's atheist. I mean, I'm not a religious person, though. I am. I do have a feeling God, whatever. Besides my religious standing, 
ethnically religious. Ethnic, ethnic. Well, I mean, I believe in God. Whatever. Besides the point, it's not a conversation about Jesus or God right now. <laughs> but, but besides that, religion brings a sense of purpose in people, and to have that, and to build, you know, the future of society. But if you don't have that traditional values and social structure encompassing that, I mean, that's why people just think, okay, I'll just have a bunch of sex with as many partners as possible and not really care about having children because that birth control, whatever. But it is really not only affecting whatever our future as Americans or as Europeans, whatever, as Western civilization, it's also affecting lives of people because at the end of the day, not having kids, not having religion, and it's just going to leave them suffering and, you know, taking up these causes like Antifa does. And I know that's very far-fetched, but it really does, you know, to, you know, you don't have a purpose. You're going to want to cling on to something, something radical like Antifa or any radical organization that find a purpose if you don't have religion continuity with a community. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know what we, we deviated a lot from talking about East, you know, Ohio <laughs> into like the fall of Western civilization. But well, that's always important stuff, right? Because it's something that we're experiencing very rapidly, this very rapid decline. And it's very important to, you know, talk about it as much as possible whenever you get the chance. Right. No, it's absolutely true. But, you know, before, you know, I just want to talk, last talk about like your thoughts. Uh, we'll see how it goes for the congressional hearings, but I thought, you know, I would mention this with uh, Jim Jordan, uh, who was important in the congressional hearings last week. We talked a little bit about him, but he gave subpoenas to CEOs of Twitter not, not not Twitter, actually not Twitter this time, of uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Google, and YouTube. But the mm-hmm. person in YouTube actually resigned, so she doesn't have to worry about it. Well, Any complicit? Of, uh, we'll see. But we'll see what happens with that. But I just think it's important. Like, Do you think, Cooper, okay, what can happen to these subpoenas in these talks? Any continuity or any demonstration of censorship you think that'll actually be shown? in these hearings after these, you know. I think clear. I mean, there already has been. There's been so many leaked documents, so many leaked emails, you know, as close to proving that this is, they've been colluding as, you know, as much as possible as you can. Um, but again, I'm going to take out my same position we talked about, I think last week that, you know, all these things occur, but does anything really change? Did any of these people really get held liable to any of their actions? No, not really. Um, and that's the the annoying thing about processes like this. A lot of it's for show. Um, we'll see what we'll see what comes about. This is something that's you know fairly new, and and hopefully you know more information will come about it in the future. Yeah, oh, it's really good talk. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Twitter files. But mm-hmm. you know, before we end, because I think we have to close around soon. But I just really want to thank all of you guys for watching our political videos, and you know. If wherever you are and Reddit, YouTube, Rumble, doesn't matter. I really appreciate it. And we want you guys to come and watch our shorts more often. And so, because we have a lot of fun stuff planned ahead content wise, not only our podcasts, which are always obviously thrilling, but we have a lot of other stuff to talk about (laughs) and just come and subscribe and just to show your support. And then we, we really want to deliver more, deliver more and more and you know keep this thing running right and show the powers in the Biden administration they got someone to fight against so they yeah got, there's some young people that are willing to to speak their mind i guess exactly. um, 
again, this is, I mean, this is a fun thing that I don't, I've never expected anything of this, but I certainly enjoy doing it. And I enjoy talking politics with you. This is what most of my day is, is made up of is, is working around this political field. So I enjoy any chance I get to, to speak and share my opinions. Definitely agree. Yeah, it's only benefit us, but hopefully benefit the viewer too. But yeah, I love talking to you, Cooper. And it's always a pleasure. And let's keep it up. Let's keep this uh, movement against Biden up. And we'll see you next week. See you, brother.